How many of you are that are in here you like to drive? Just wave if you enjoy driving. You enjoy driving. I enjoy How many of you don't like to drive? You got married just so somebody can drive you around. That's why you got married. Um, I enjoy driving a lot. I, I clear my mind when I drive. Uh, Allie, my oldest, claims that I'm not a good driver, but uh, the truth is I'm more like a Dukes of Hazard kind of driver. You might not think that he's a good driver, but he has good, um, you know, instincts, right? Am I right, Tim? Hey, you're not a, a Titans fan, are you? Okay, thank God. He has switched over from Tennessee, but uh, he has seen the light. Let's give him a hand. He's a Saints fan. I've been seeing him at the Saints games. I knew it. As soon as he walked in, I knew I liked you. So, um, so she claims that I'm not a good driver, but, but I, I, I feel like that I am uh, when it comes to uh, emergencies, you know, uh, but I enjoy it. I like to drive, but I think anybody that likes to drive, they have pet peeves when it comes to driving. Anybody has some pet peeves? Like, if you are in the left lane, that means you're in the fast lane. Don't go the speed limit if you're in the left lane. Go faster than the speed limit if you're in the left lane, because all of us with a heavy foot, we have a place to go, and you're getting in our way. I believe it's a sin to be in the left lane and go slow. I think you need to switch your thinking and get in the right lane where all the people that like to take their time and have nowhere to go ever in their life. That's what the right lane is for. I also have a pet peeve. I think horns are very necessary, but you need to know the volume of your horn. Do you have a high horn or a low horn? Because a low horn offends me. You know, you, you, you don't get mad at a Prius, like, beep, beep. You don't get mad at that. You get mad at those deep horns, right? And if it's longer than two minutes, that's offensive. You can be like, beep, beep, out the way, right? But it's like, uh, you want to get in a fight. It's road rage. Am I right about it? Well, I do. I love, I love driving. Leah likes for me to drive most of the time, uh, but I... I actually had to get my eyes dilated because I'm getting LASIKs, which I'm kind of scared because I see your faces. I know who you are, but I can't really see your expressions that well. I can see those that are smiling, but I can't really see if, like, you're dozing off. So when I get LASIKs, I might get mad at you. <laughs> I might like you right now, but afterwards, I might see the truth. Um, but what they, they put, they dilate your eyes to really be able to get a real sense of your vision. And they were like, this is a whole nother level of dilation. Uh, you're not going to be able to drive. And so I told Leah, hey, you have to come pick me up. And so it was like in the heat of traffic. And uh, have you ever got just frustrated in the heat of traffic? I, I, I'm just outing my wife. She was frustrated. She was sinning left and right. No, I'm just joking. So I was calling. I said, you got to pick me up. She was a little flustered, and I couldn't see anything. I was in the passenger side, and we're driving around, and this is the problem. I hate backseat drivers, but I am one. When I'm not in the driver's seat, I feel like I have to tell you each turn to go. It's a control issue. Pray for me. But it was, um, we were in the heat of traffic, and Siri wasn't operating right, so we took, now think, in the heat of traffic, three eight turns. That is a lot of interstate 
turns, three interstate turns, and I don't know what happened, but she was flustered, and Siri wasn't speaking. She was silent today, so Leah was trying to look at her phone, and I don't know how it happened, but we ended up like in the HOV lane going the wrong way. We veered off, and there is a barricade. There is a barricade, and I am thankful that we are in the Tahoe because it has a four-by-four because there is a big, it is a big curve to get over. And there are a couple of policemen passed by, and she was, Leah was like, shouldn't we ask a policeman? And I was like, I don't want a ticket today. So we put it in four-wheel drive, and my eyes, I could barely see, and uh, we're, we're getting over the, the curb and underneath the HOV lane, and we finally made it out alive, and then she took the rest of the way. Let's give a, ourselves a hand for surviving in rush hour traffic. I thought this is very um, relatable. It's very relatable when it comes to our relationship with God. It's very relatable. Some of us, we want to lead in the right direction, but if we don't have a good connection with God, it's very difficult for us to lead. Just like Leah couldn't hear Siri very well, we can, we can influence people to take a few wrong turns. And sometimes if we don't watch ourselves, we can even bring people in and influence them and have influence in their life. But because we don't have a good connection, we're actually starting to influence them in a negative direction. And I have seen people bring people to God and actually have the person that can't really see clear yet get in the driver's seat. That is a dangerous situation. Jesus said it's like the blind leading the blinds. And, and I want to encourage you, God is not asking you to be perfect. He's asking you to be honest. And God wants you to know, he wants you, this is not like, you know what, you better straighten up. He wants you to know that you are the light of the world. You know, you operate a little differently when you know that you are the light of the world. When you know that you are a natural, you have natural leadership in you just because you have the Spirit of God leading you. Jesus was the best leader on the face of the earth. Jesus did something outstanding. What Jesus did, he made very complicated things simple. Religious people want to make very simple things complicated. And the truth is, because Jesus was the greatest leader and he lives inside of you, and the Holy Spirit is your counsel and your guide, then you have leadership on the inside of you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are a leader. Now, I want to give you from this scripture in Acts, I want to give you five steps to leading, five steps to leading. And I want to give this with the context of Acts 3 that we just read. Now, I love that in this picture, the Bible says that the man called out to Peter and John for, for money, but you can tell the shame on the man because the man wasn't even looking at Peter and John. The man was not even looking. I know that because Peter and John said, hey, look at me. They were looking at the man intensely, and then they said, hey, look at me, look at me. They understood something. They understood that this man needs something. This is a great need. This is a great need. And the first point of leadership is that if you want to lead, you have to see the need. 
If you want to lead, you have to see the need. I love that he was looking at this man intently and said, look at me. I love that. I love that. He said, silver and gold I don't have, right? I love that he understood this. You want silver and gold, but I have something better for you. There are many people today that are going after many things in life, but you know and I know what they really need. And he was looking at them intently and said, silver and gold I don't have, but I do have something that you need. And I'm here to tell you today, if you have the spirit of God inside of you, you have something that people need. People need a hope. People need to be able to have the right answers. Uh, honor, you know, Honor, we, we're talking about my youngest. She, she likes YouTube. She watches things on YouTube. And, and Leah and I, you know, we're, we're not like religious rural people, but she actually asked me a question the other day, Honor. She was like, man, I was watching this, uh, this YouTube channel, and, and this person, they had an eight ball. They had this eight ball, and they like used this eight ball, and they kind of made decisions. Can I have an eight ball for Christmas? And I was like, I don't really like eight balls to like make decisions. And she was like, why not? I really want an eight ball. And I tried to sit down and explain to her, this is the thing. You need to understand there are people that go to many places to get direction, and God really wants us to go to him. Now, if the person on YouTube is like looking at that thing and saying, should I do this or not? Should I date this person? Yes or no? Should I do this? And she was like, yeah, that's what they do. And I said, you know, people go and they get their palms read. They get a tarot card reading. They go to psychics. But that is not the source of our life. They can probably get a spiritual experience because it is spiritual. But I'm here to tell you today, the only thing you need for direction is Jesus and his word. And when you bank on his word. He is a lamp unto your feet and a light into your path. And we can get inundated by the standards of the world. But the Bible says, don't be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I'm here to tell you today, you have a great guide. You have a great counselor. You have a great teacher. He is above any ruler. He is above any other source that we could think that we need to go to. He is a better source than money and gold. What we need is him. And what people need, what people need is him. And a lot of times, you know, we can see people and think they have it all together. Can I tell you, there's a lot of people that are hurting. There's a lot of people that need hope. There are people in this nation I've talked to that they've never really heard about Jesus. They've never heard the message of Jesus. There are many people in this city that have heard and been brought up in religion, but they never knew that Jesus came to serve and love. They thought Jesus was a man of rules and this dictatorship, and if you did what he wanted you to do, you're good. If you didn't, you're condemned, and they didn't know that Jesus was actually a friend of sinners. I love Peter and John because at first they saw a need, and I believe in you, in you, you're going to begin to see the needs in people because you know that you're the light of the world. You're going to look at people and say, you think you want this promotion, and that's good. You think you want these finances, that's good. You think you want this relationship, but I can tell you what you really need. What you really need is a relationship with Jesus. How many of you are thankful that you've had a relationship with Jesus? 
that he touched you in a real way, not in a religious way, but he touched you and you know him personally. I'm so thankful that Jesus makes himself uh, attainable, real, and relatable to us. And he's your friend and he's your guide. How many of you know that we don't need to look at any other guides but him? And so if you're getting counsel, I encourage you to get counsel. And it is wise to get uh, uh, multitudes of counsel, godly counsel. But I, I want to encourage you also to know that you have the greatest guide, the creator of the universe, the one that made you, the one that knit you together, the one that wrote your book. He is the author and finisher of your life story. You can go, you can go straight to him. Are you thankful for that? Yeah. Number two, number two, I love that they, they stooped down and they reached out their hand and they picked him up. You know what people need today? Especially when we've had so much social distance, people need affection. If we want to lead people, we need to lead with affection. If we want to lead people, we need to lead with affection. Did you know that you can touch someone with even eye contact? You can affect someone. You can give people affection by a smile. I, we smiled at this person the other day. You would have thought that nobody has smiled at them a day in their life. It's what they needed. You can show affection by conversation. You can show affection by starting a conversation. Isn't that crazy? We live in a day where we put in our AirPods and we want to be left alone and be six feet away from me because, you know, we, we, need, we need our space and we don't want to talk to anybody. But I'm, tell, I'm telling you, there's healing and affection. People were born to be affectionate. They've done studies and showed babies that did not get affection when they were, when they were real little and, and they... they um, they showed those that didn't get uh, affection and those that did, and the ones that did were healthy and whole, and the ones that didn't were sick and began to get ill. How many of you know that God wants to bring affection to your life? There's, there was a person that came to church every single day. It wasn't for the worship. It wasn't for the preaching. He just said, you know what? I loved it when you said, go and give your neighbor a hug. I needed one. People need affection. Now, I'm, I'm saying you need to be careful. I'm not saying touch everybody and everything, but I'm saying you can give affection with your eyes. You can give affection with a conversation. Jesus struck up a conversation with a woman at the well, somebody that wasn't his uh, same, um, didn't have his same background. And a matter of fact, theologians say that she was there for a, a wrong reason. And Jesus strikes up a conversation, brings healing to her life, and she wins a whole city to God. How many of you know that conversation is affection? Knowing somebody's name is affection. If you see their name tag and it says Terry, say, hey, Terry, how you doing today? There's something in you when somebody says your name and knows your name, there's something special that happens on the inside of you. You have the goods. It's not you just smiling. It's not you just looking intently. It's not just you starting conversation. It's God in you, you being the light of the world. We were, uh, Lee and I were on our 17th uh, year anniversary uh, dinner last week. And uh, we were there and we, it was a nice restaurant. And 
um, you know, it's kind of a time when you want to just kind of be by yourself, right? And you're wanting to just kind of be in your own zone. And, and so it was nice. It was beautiful. The, the sun was setting, and it was a beautiful meal. And, and I noticed when I sat down, there was a guy that was really, he, he, was wait, he was actually giving people waters. He was, like, struggling. He was, like, struggling. He looked depressed. He kept looking at himself in the mirror, and it was almost as though he didn't like what he saw. And I kind of kept it to myself. And then Leah told me a little while ago, he said, she said, man, did you see that guy? He's, something's not good. Something, every time he goes to do something, it's like taking everything in him to like, to like take a step. It's like he's not wanting to even live. And I was watching, we were watching him for a while and he was, he was filling up waters, but nobody gave him any eye contact. He was just the water boy, right? Fill up my water, go on, but nobody gave him any eye contact. And you could see in his life, you could see that he was depressed, he was down, and it was to the point that it was concerning. And he began to walk by and we said, hey, what's your name? You would have thought that we told him he won the lottery. He looked over and he was like, my name? We're like, yeah, what's your name? And he gave us his name and we're like, where are you from? And he began to talk about where he was from. And in that instant, I could feel God there. You know, the Bible says when two or more are gathered together, he's in the midst. And God began, I could tell God was telling him and speaking to his heart, I see you. I love you. And he was like, man, I'm, I'm trying to work this job. I, I live with, you know, I'm, I'm 28. I'm living, I'm trying to support my mom and my sister. And, 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 and Leah was like, that's what, that's what a real man does. And you're doing a great job. And you would have thought that she told him, you know, you, you've won a uh, cruise to the Bahamas. I mean, he was elated. And did you know that whole time after we said that, that whole time, you can tell that he was scooping to our table. You know, kind of like a golden retriever, right? Like, I want to be petted, you know what I mean? Why? Because people are born to have affection. They long for that. And you can give affection just by giving people attention. The Bible says that Peter and John intently looked at him when the guy wasn't even, he was so shameful, he wasn't even given eye contact. And Peter and John said, hey, look at me. Hey, look at me. You know what? People need to be seen. And there are people, they say, and statistics say that the suicide rate and depression rate has skyrocketed since the pandemic, that mental illness has skyrocketed because this social distance, uh, uh, this, I, I, am, I have this separation, we weren't born for that. You know, Jesus, when he saw a leper, he would go and he would touch that leper. I believe there is just as much healing in his miraculous power to heal leprosy. There's just as much healing in a touch. A leper that felt rejected, that was excommunicated from the community, Jesus said, I'm getting right in and I'm going to show you affection. Do you need to show somebody affection. Maybe that person you keep seeing at the grocery store, maybe the clerk, maybe your neighbor. I want to encourage you, you're a natural leader, and when you give people affection, it gives people hope. 
Number three, speak life. Speak life. Speak life. I love that Peter and John said, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. Get up and walk. See, you, because you have the Spirit of God in you, see and believe in people when they don't believe in themselves. You see greatness in people because you have greatness living on the inside of you. You see greatness in people because you have greatness living on the inside of you. There's a story of Zig Ziglar. He's a leadership person, and, and he was at a subway in a big city, and they had a uh, homeless person that had a box full of pencils, and he had written on a sign, uh, take a pencil for a dollar. Well, many people in the subways, they didn't need a pencil, they didn't want a pencil, but they would throw in the dollar and just keep walking by. But when Zig Ziglar saw this homeless man that was asking for a dollar or asking for a dollar for a pencil, when Zig Ziglar put the dollar in, he began to walk away and he stopped because he felt God. And he turned around and he said, I need a pencil. The man gave him a pencil and he said, you're not a beggar, you're a businessman. Never thought anything of it. Years later, after a convention that Zig Ziglar had, this businessman walked up and said, I'm the beggar that you said that I'm a businessman. It changed my life. Your words can change the trajectory of somebody's life. How many of you are glad that God called you something that you were not in, the, in that present moment? God calls you righteous. God calls you healed. God calls you the healer. God calls you what we don't see in ourselves, and he begins to develop identity in us, and we begin to pull out the greatness in other people. Romans 10, 14, but how can they call on him, talking about God, to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how would anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers that preach the good news. When you begin to preach God's good news, God says, the whole heavens say, those feet are beautiful. You begin to have favor on your life. You begin to have favor on your life because you have chosen, you might want to answer that, you might, you have, you have chosen to have beautiful feet. Can I get the worship team to come up? And I want to give my last point. Are y'all okay? We've got a, this game starts at 12 o'clock and I've only got about 10 minutes. Are y'all good? All right. Number four, number four, number four. This is so, this is so important. This is so important. Number four. See, when you begin to give people direction or when you begin to give, when you begin to speak life into people, it is important, it is important as a leader that you give people direction, right? Isn't it important to have leadership give direction? Once there's a connection, write this down. If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. Some of you just got it. Once there's a connection, give an invitation. Once there's a connection, give an invitation. Isn't it funny that Peter and John healed the man, didn't just leave them there. What I love about Peter and John, he said, hey, come with us. 
The man gets healed at a gate, and all of a sudden the Bible says that he is literally clinging on to Peter and John. They literally took him under their wing. Think about that. They literally took this man under their wing and brought them to, brought him to the temple of God or the house of God. How many of you know that when you, let's give them a hand up there. They're working it. They're working it. They're working it. <laughs> I feel like I have to do like some circus acts to get y'all's attention right now with people up there. Uh, this is the thing. This is the thing that once, once you have a connection, give them a direction. Who are you taking under your wing? When you can tell there's a connection, invite them to the house of God. The Bible says that God's, God wants his house full. How many of you know that God wants to speak to those that are far away? They should, there should be people that walk in these doors and feel the love of God. No matter where they come from, no matter their age, no matter their pedigree, they should come, no, no matter how they're dressed, no matter if, if they look like they have it all together, people should be able to come into the house of God and feel God's love through us. You know, there's nothing like God touching you and you're using that touch to touch someone else. That's what this is all about. This is about loving people. This is about guiding when somebody has guided you that, you know, Jesus is the ultimate shepherd. He's the ultimate shepherd. You know, Jesus looked at the multitude. The Bible says he was filled with compassion because people were like sheep without a shepherd. They didn't have direction. And Jesus is the ultimate shepherd, but all through the Bible, he says, hey, begin to shepherd the flock, the people that God gives you. Begin to give them direction. Begin to show them. Begin to take them under your wing. And this is the truth that, that some, some of us are ready to give people direction. You have a connection with God. You have a relationship with God. And God is saying you are ready to give people direction. 2 Timothy 2.2, 2, this is Paul speaking to Timothy. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on. What is Paul telling Timothy? Find some trustworthy people that will pass on the good news. I'm asking you today, are you willing to pick up the responsibility of being the light of the world? Are you ready to pick up and say, I might not have it all together, but I do know this. I do know that God is number one in my life. I fall at times. I don't always do what I want to do, but I do know that God's grace is sufficient. I do know that he is a forgiver. I do know that he is a cleanser. I do know that he is one that changes us. And I might not know everything, but I do know this one thing. I was once blind and now I see. Let's remember while we're here. Paul is pleading with Timothy, find trustworthy people that find trustworthy people, that find trustworthy people of sharing the good news because that was God's ultimate design was for us to see people far away come to God. And Jesus said this. I'm going to read this and we're going to close. I love this portion of scripture because it really shows, it really shows 
who Jesus is. Matthew 9, 36. I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong one. It says this, Luke 15, 1 through 5, which brings me to my last point. Give God glory. Once God begins to do work in other people, give God glory. This should be something that's celebrated. When, when God does something in your life, celebrate. The Bible says that the lame man went into the temple and was dancing. And I'm sorry if that makes you feel uncomfortable, but this is the thing. I've seen you dance at the, uh, at the Superdome. I've seen you dance in the streets. This is the only city in the world. So people were, were getting elected uh, yesterday, and I, there was a, uh, a, a, a parade going on for the election. I was like, I love this. This is the only city that will find any excuse to party except for in the church. Jesus told this story. Jesus said this. He says, hey, begin to give God glory. If God does something in your life, share about it. If God does something in somebody else's life, share about it. Because we celebrate people that are far away and get close to God. We celebrate those that get a touch from God. The church should be overflowing with joy and celebration because of the work that God is doing in his people. Celebrate it. You know, the Bible says that, you know, we can be so inundated about the things that are not happening, but to focus on and fix your mind on those things that are noble of good report. I know there's a lot of bad reports, but in the house of God, we need to begin to share the miracles God is doing in our life, the miracles that God is doing in other lives. And when we come together, it's a celebration. When we come together, there's a praise. As a matter of fact, from this lame man, it was his praise that got the attention of the city that gave an opportunity to preach the good news. Praise has power when people come together and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed that I needed Jesus. I want to lift my hands. I want to shout. I'll even dance around because I believe that praise brings the presence and praise begins to tell a story. And we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. You have a testimony. Share it. I love this picture, and we're going to close. It says this. In Luke 15, 1 through 7, by this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation were hanging around Jesus. Wow. We can stop right there. Can I read that again? Can I read that again? By this time, a lot of men and women of doubtful reputation was hanging around Jesus. Wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. You're talking about Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the God-man in the flesh. He was known for hanging around people with a bad reputation? Wait a second. So if Jesus is around those that may would, would disregard or scoff at and say that they're not up to par, how much more should we hang around those that need him? I want to encourage you not to put yourself in temptation, bring somebody along with you, but be around the lost. It will keep you real. Love the lost. They don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Love them. Serve them. Jesus was known to be a friend of sinners. Let's not create our own little bubble here. 
Because when you create your bubble in church, you become religious. And nobody wants to be around a religious person, but everybody wanted to be around Jesus. People are attracted to your love. Are you okay? He said, it says that he was around notorious sinners. Listening intently, the Pharisees and the religious scholars were not pleased. Why are they? Why is he hanging around them? Why is he, why is he hanging around that back home? Why? Look, he started to judge. Scholars were not pleased, not at all pleased. They growled. I tend to find that religious people kind of look like they have a growl on their face. Like they've been baptized in vinegar. Serious, always pointing out others' faults. But I love the people in this room because you know it's only the grace of God that brought you to where you are right now. And it's the goodness of God that brought you to where you are right now. So who are we to point fingers that if it were not for God, we wouldn't be where we are today? And so the Pharisees were growling. He takes in sinners and eats meals with them. When's the last time I sat down with somebody that didn't have the same beliefs as me? Wait a second. Maybe somebody that doesn't even believe in the same political party as me. <gasps> Would you think? Maybe somebody that doesn't have the same ethnic background. Oh, well, those are Democrats. Those are Republicans. Yeah, Jesus was around them all. Jesus was around them all. Are y'all okay? Let's not let a cancel culture get in the church. I'm glad Jesus didn't cancel me. And just because people don't look like you, think like you, believe like you, God never called you to put a finger or a hand up to them. God called you to embrace them and love them and serve them. Come on. This is the Jesus we serve. And then he gave this picture <laughs> they growled he takes sinners and eats meals with them treating them like old friends don't you love our jesus their grumbling triggers this story listen to what jesus says suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and lost one wouldn't you leave 99 in the wilderness and go after the one lost sheep until you found it when found, you can be sure he would put it across his shoulders rejoicing. And when you, when you got home, call in your friends and neighbors saying, celebrate with me. I have found my lost sheep. Count on it. There's more joy in heaven over one sinner's rescue in life than over 99 of good people in no need of rescue. You know what God celebrates? Those that are far away and come close to him. Can I ask us today, if you can just stand up and you say, you know what, I want to believe, like honor begin to not just hear that she's the light of the world, but she began to believe that she is the light of the world. I want to challenge you today to say, you know what, I'm going to choose to see people around me. I'm going to choose to see the need. I'm going to choose to be one that celebrates those that are far away coming close to him. I want to challenge you even next week on Friendsgiving, reach out to somebody, love somebody, say, hey, come sit with me. They don't have a rod, go pick them up. When God touches them, bring them to church. Let them see how you praise God. Let them see how you love other people. Let them see how you're on a team. Let them see how you make God a priority and a community and a priority in your life. Bring them in. And I'm believing this, 
that next week, even today, there are some people here that say, you know, I want my life to Jesus. And all the heavens rejoice. But I believe next week is going to be a, a great celebration. Because you're going to reach out, bring in your friends and, and family, and they're going to feel the presence of God, and God's going to begin to do a healing in them. That person that you thought would never come, that person that you thought God could never do, I'm telling you today, the pre people that are the most broken, God is the closest to. Invite them to come. And I believe that God's going to begin to touch their life. Not only are they, God's going to touch their life, but they're going to touch your life. You're going to be full of praise and joy because you have decided to be the light of the world. Do you believe it today? Now, if you're here today and you're far away from God or if you're online and you're watching and you are far away from God, I want to give you an invitation to have a relationship with him. The only requirement that God says is that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, that you will be saved, that your sins will go as far as the east is to the west. And we have a team together praying today. If that's you today, don't try to get it all together and wait for tomorrow and go to God. Go to God and he'll get it all together. Do you believe that? Come on, let's close our eyes and bow our heads. Say this after me. Say, Jesus. I believe in you. I believe you died for me and that you rose again. Come into my heart. I turn away from my own way and I pick up your way. From this day forward, I make you my Savior and my Lord. With nobody looking around today and even online, nobody looking around today, if that's you today, just slip up your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to embarrass you. Just slip up your hand. Slip up your hand. God bless you. God bless you. I see you. You can put your hand back down. Lord, I thank you for those that have lifted their hands and even those online that are listening. I thank you, Lord. Your word says that there is a rejoice and a celebration that goes on in heaven when one person turns to you. And we thank you, Lord, that you're bringing them into your house Church 54 on the count of three, can we give a shout? Because there's a shout going on in heaven. One, two, three. Come on, let's give God a hand.